the more I do SEO, the more I become a believer in brand awareness and branding. If I was going back in my steps as an SEO, I would focus more on building brand awareness than other kind of content. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by Nick Malekos. For the past seven years, Nick has been a part of the LearnWolves team, and as the first marketing hire in a fast-growing startup, he has helped grow the company from less than 5,000 organic sessions to 1 million sessions. Uh, Nick is a friend and uh, a person I really value in this industry. So it's a really pleasure. Nick, welcome. Happy to be here, George. Uh, I, w- I w- want to, increase, to say something more about the description. I have also been a- everywhere. I have been doing growth marketing for Lerwood, so I have been in most positions. I've even done sales, which is my hated job. And, but I have done everything that needs to grow a company from product releases to email marketing, PPC, uh, almost everything that you can imagine, probably other than outbound sales. Sales is good though. Uh, it's tough, but it's good because you, you are in the, like in the front line, like you, you, you get to hear the objections, uh, the pain points, the challenges, everything, right? Yes, sales has informed actually our first SEO um, strategies because listening to the voice of the customer is important. It's an uncomfortable position, but the insights for sales is the most important as long as you filter the right ones because sales will give you only the higher valued corporate customers and not the, the lowest customers. And when you need everyone, you have to understand discrepancies in data. So sales gives you incredible insights. I agree with you. Um, so let's start. Um, let's start here. What did you do before LearnWolves, and how did you end up um, being the the first marketing hire at LearnWolves? So the story goes that the la- uh, the last few jobs before LearnWolves were educational based. So I was the website manager about an educational website, doing mostly local news, and I was managing the website self-learning some SEO basics. Then I was looking to, ah, sorry, then before that I was also the marketeer in a, in a college here. So I was in the marketing department doing both physical and digital marketing. And then I decided that I wanted to leave Cyprus. I was thinking to try London. I had a friend I was crashing to his couch for three months and I found a, a, a part-time job that was Cyprus salary for London, which is like, I did something like five times more salary to figure it out. But this company was moving from Cyprus 
to London and was willing to have an account manager to help them with the move that is here being trained and going through uh, there at London. The job didn't hold much, so it was difficult for the company to find SEO clients, but I was learning the basis of uh, managing some writers, some link builders, some outreachers, and uh, and clients to get them to get them links. So it was a very quick uh, learning about the uh, steps in to SEO. At the same time, I was looking for a job in London. I didn't like the culture then I left, and I ended up in January 2017 having two offers. One was uh, in London into an, uh, into an NGO for a marketing position, digital marketing position. And the other was back in Cyprus uh, for Lerwards as the first marketing hire. And it was more exciting to be in Lerwards. How many, do you remember how many people uh, were in Lerwards back when you joined? It was the three founders and I was the fourth uh, hire. There were two part-timers, outsourcers that were working occasionally. One for servers and one for... Uh, um, for design, but essentially after the three developers, uh, one web dev and two developers, I was the, the next hire. Okay, that's interesting. I thought you joined uh, later. Um, okay, I know what LearnWorlds died. Uh, I remember I joined at the 170 customers, were in many thousands. So I was almost the sole marketer. I did almost a thousand customers. I think we hired the second person a little bit before. Okay, that's interesting. So you've seen the the whole thing from its sort of inception. Um, yes, I'm the first expert. I know what uh, Learn Worlds does or do, depending on how you you uh, use the English language. But for people who who don't know, uh, can you please um, give us you know a very quick overview of? Uh, what LearnWorlds does and who is the typical customer and gets the most value out of the, the product? Yeah, it's happy now that most people know what we're doing because a few years back, back then, it was not so popular. We're a course platform. And as a course platform, we give a system, a software system that someone can create, market, and sell their courses. Uh, it's a little bit more than that, more complex because we serve a lot of cases. So our customers usually send courses, but they might be also training their customers, like a B2B trainers, or they might be doing internal employee training. So it's a, multi, a, a, a lot of cases, uh, but the essential is, Nervous Course Platform, create, market, and selling courses is our essential use cases for our customers. And we serve anywhere from creators to medium and big uh, businesses. Okay, that's a tough market to be in. For markets are tough. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have seven seven years plus in the company. Um, what would you say are the biggest, most important learnings when it comes to growth and marketing from your experience so far? I will go beyond growth and marketing and tell you also our manager's uh, challenge because I see them for more close. It's... Uh, Every growth stage is different. Like what I was doing the first year is much different than what I'm doing now. Every stage in between is different. Like the first time you're trying growth hacks, the second time, the, the second growth stage, you might be trying to find a new growth hack, or you might need to be more strategic. Then you have multiple channels. You don't have one, two, three. You have multiple. 
every time you have to reinvent a different stage and things that were working a few years back or were working on different stages do not really work on the next ones and you have to adapt and you have to adapt building a team around managing a team collaborating with another team is different to be solo versus having a small team a big team departments managers people below it um, it changes Okay, and what about uh, challenges? Um, what would you say were and maybe are the biggest challenges working at a fast-growing SaaS company? It's finding the next step to grow. Like uh, there is no, no time that you should stop being adaptable, and you should not pursue grow. Um, you having to have in mind that it's not like another company that would might have a brand awareness metric. You always have your eyesight on uh, revenue goals, on hard metrics, and you have to be realistic, you have to be attributable, which also attribution is a challenge. It was a challenge. Software came up to solve it. And now we have other challenges like cookie blockers and different technologies. So attribution has been a problem and it will be a bigger problem in the future as well. Oh, what are your thoughts on attribution? Uh, and in, like in general, measuring um, the performance and evaluating the effectiveness or measuring the effectiveness of your efforts. Um, because there is a lot of uh, chatter about attribution online and some SaaS companies um, lately um, basically say that they have fixed the attribution um, problem. But I would like to hear your thoughts when it comes to attribution. Um, what do you think or what you have seen uh, work? It's like my two brave brain hemispheres uh, fighting because so you have to understand that SEO is being requested to be more attributable. I'm all, I was always very harsh on myself and always measuring revenue as my main metric, my main goal, and that's at the first touch. However, especially on longer sales cycles, it's much more difficult to attribute something. Think that the one example right now, we have customers that are coming with three emails. You might have an account executive coming in because the manager requested it. And then you have the IT approving the software. And then the accountant comes in, creates an account and purchases. This is a very weird, unusual, and difficult journey to monitor. But it happens more, more often than you can imagine. Also, someone coming from a Gmail and then purchasing from a business account or the other way around. It's not easy to attribute. You have to understand how to attribute and how much you can accept that you cannot attribute and the, uh, you have to trust the abilities. Sometimes the best marketers trust their guts. Um, like I, I love what uh, Rat Fish Fish Tick is is doing, and no attribution, going full brand, uh, the same things that what Ahrefs was doing in the first years. They were not looking for attribution; they are building their brand, a store, a strong product, and they were growing. This can happen still now. Attribution is not everything, but you need attribution to convince management and convince investors and convince everyone to give you the budget to continue. So you have to play this game of pitching on the numbers, but also understand that not everything can be measured and have the right expectations. And also some sideways of understanding like uh, brand spikes, uh, 
to understand when an activity is bringing the results in a, in a non-attributable way. Do you think that when it comes to SEO um, and organic search, things are a bit more straightforward? Can you like attribute um, or assign value, let's say, to SEO initiatives um, easier um, than, say, podcasting or, I don't know, other initiatives like um, field sales or whatever? Compared to press releases, events, and uh, and podcasts, yes, but easy, it's not. One way, for example, if you don't want to measure revenue, you can discuss with your performance team because performance is the best friend of SEO, and they should be also your best friends. You you can count the keywords, the traffic you are getting based on how much you have paid for uh, performance to get the keyword that if you are getting 10,000 searches, if this is a valuable keyword, because it might not be valuable, would you pay $5,000, $10,000, $100,000 in advertising revenue to get those people? And would you pay it? Would you target for this keyword? So this is also a side metric. You, you can find different ways to attribute, whether it's direct, Signups, lead captures, clicks, uh, there are many ways and it depends on different combines on different metrics. It's easier, but it's not the, the easiest way. Okay, I see. And as a fun fact, having made that Google is releasing Pmax, the same pain for SEO, it will, it will be passed over to performance. Pmax means that they don't know what keyword they can get. They are just paying and they're getting results. They can measure the result, but they don't know what they're targeting. The pain. I mean, it's it, it's getting tougher and tougher, and it's like it's as if these these platforms created the need to be present on their platform. But now it's as if they say that you know what, moving forward, you have to pay in order to be to be present on on my platform or pay more, because in in paid searches uh, case you have to pay more, right? Or it, it, in, in, in organic search, um, it's you will get less and less and less, but I expect more uh, from you. I, I expect originality, I expect perspectives, I expect different uh, content formats. But keep in mind that I will send like I will I will send less traffic your way. And I'm like, okay, what's the incentive then? Why why should I invest in paid search or and why should I invest in organic search? I don't know what your thoughts are, but uh, it's kind of like a dead end, right? Um, I read an opinion which was which make a lot of sense that Google doesn't want to kill you as a publisher because many of the publishers that are getting the traffic are sending money back to Google, like close to thirty percent. I think they use AdWords to monet um, ad sales to monetize their content. So even from those visits, they get money, and then do, do not want to kill the people who are bringing the money, uh, AKA the SaaS businesses, the other businesses, enterprises, everything. So they will continue to send you uh, the people, but they have a monopoly and they want their money to make their investors happy as you want your founders, investors, CEOs to be happy. Yeah, uh, likely no CEOs for me, but I don't know about the future, right? Um, so Nick, next, thing I would like to ask you is uh, regarding your SEO strategy. 
Um, if I, I would ask you to like summarize, um, learn what is SEO strategy, what would you say, uh, that strategy is and what, you know, is it, what does it include and what are the main pillars and, and so on? Okay. Without trying to leave it to me, beyond everything, but I will give you the main pillar of my strategy is bringing the right people at the right moment to bring the results we want. What it means. Uh, I will give you an example of a competitor. I have been seeing falling down through HRS at least over the past few months. This competitor has been targeting top of the funnel keywords and the, and this and another they are showing for something like uh, YouTube uh, CPM, which I would like to target as well. It has a lot of traffic, but it's not a high priority. They are not going to get a customer out of there. They might get traffic. They might see a value graph on Ahrefs. They might see traffic on their website growing. It's a high volume keyword. And there have a lot of these high volume keywords. But at the end, my SEO strategy is not to bring 5 million people. I want to bring a thousand people that will purchase. So you, ha you have to understand that I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for the content that will bring the right people at the right moment. And I'm focusing a little bit more about on the funnel purchasing intent, but also in middle and top of the funnel that I, it's relevant. I'm not going, for example, to write for a mini learning platform, uh, how, how to sell uh, dog cookies. It's, it's not relevant. I'm not writing out of, out of it. It might seem obvious, but there's so many SEOs out there that just check volumes. And they think that volume is their number one metric and bringing a lot of people. And probably I'm moving forward conversation, but this is the problem of programmatic advertising, uh, sorry, programmatic uh, SEO. And this is why we didn't do programmatic SEO because I can write 1000 articles, no quality articles. But first of all, I don't want to have a very high quality website and I want to throw it. And secondly, if I bring 5 million people in a shitty AI generated page, they will not purchase. They will not download an ebook. They will not go get a trial. That's no value people. I would be happy for 5 million visits, but I'm not selling ad impressions. I'm selling a software. I want quality visits. And this is the heart of my uh, strategy. Every time I have to ask this question, what's the business value to the common? And this drives every other decision. That's a good point because I think that with AI, many people are missing the point, which is that every piece of content has to serve a certain objective, right? If you can somehow uh, like meet the objective or objectives that you've set with the use of AI, okay, you can do that. But as you said, like your your goal as a SaaS company, particularly, especially in you, you, is to sell, right? To sell like whatever that may be, because people are in different stages. Um, it's not just to like speed out thousands of pages and do it just for the sake of it, because what's the business impact this action will have, right? Yeah, think that Letterworks has a little over 400 blog pages. And because we have many landing pages for campaigns, I don't remember now, like, now the website, but 
the website has less than 200 pages. Maybe with some generated some other ones, maybe it's more, uh, maybe it's 2,700 pages. I was doing a screaming frog report earlier. I don't remember the number, but it's very small. So the, there is no, you see that you will work targeted. You don't need to write about everyone. You should not write about everyone. You should write for the right people that will grow your business. And this is what many SEOs are missing. And this is what many people are just selling empty promises people. They don't know how to deliver them. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. Um, now, you mentioned competition and you compete, you and other uh, SaaS companies in other categories uh, compete against, of course, um, other players in that same category, but also affiliate websites, review sites, uh, blogs, and, and so on. Um, and in many cases, you could compete against all these, uh, you know, websites um, for terms with commercial search intent, right? Important terms for you. My question is how have you managed to hold, maintain high ranking positions um, over the years, considering that competition, if anything, gets tougher and tougher? Actually, you are touching one of my favorite topics because I really love to out-compete affiliates and I'm pretty sure that our partnerships team does not share this sentiment with me because as the first market here, I care about the, the company's bottom line. Paying that click to an affiliate instead of getting it yourself is a missed opportunity. And this is the value that I cannot attribute. If you know how to attribute it, just send me a PM and let me know how to do it because you cannot imagine how much money we're saving just by out-competing affiliates. Uh, in the end, they might catch up the traffic elsewhere, but still, if you are paying 30% out of affiliates, it's a huge amount forever that you're paying per customer. Uh, the CAC per customer is crazy. One with SEO is minimum. So, but how do I, I could, I'll compete them? I am a long-term person here. Uh, many of the articles that you see out competing on networks, they are not recent. They are four or five years old. So they are early bets that work. And those early, early bets were huge listicles, huge power articles, guides that they keep evolving. Uh, I keep as much as possible, as much capacity allows the content fresh. That means updates. That means uh, checking out what were missing and every time improving and to be honest some of these pieces they might, they might need to be updated twice a year even minor minor updates just to keep the position but usually good guides good quality content long-form content and listicles tend to attract leaks and uh, they tend to attract natural leaks this is the best way to do link building unfortunately that's very slow i had the advantage of doing this for years uh, so if you come here, uh, you try to come out, compete me, you might need to spend anywhere between 10 to 20,000 K for each page. And it doesn't ensure that you are, you are going to out compete me. Uh, so yes, high quality content, regular updates, keeping design and other elements, media uh, also updated, for example, 
And some of the best, my best pieces have changed cover images three times. I'll prefer to avoid touching the cover pages, except if needed. And also adding media, video that is still relevant and sometimes changing it because it needs to be refreshed. Embedding, embedding videos, uh, we'll have redesigned and all the next updates, you will see that we have a redesigned course and and prompts zones that they are visually more appealing. They make it the article more scrollable, more easily readable. There are buttons to some articles to test that if buttons sending to other pages, even competitors sometimes, is this okay? Is it a good practice? We are always updating and improving and iterating just to keep one step ahead of the competition. And right now, yes, it's very difficult to outcompete G2 or Forbes or some other big sites. Even Zapper is getting into this game. And it's almost impossible to outcompete them. Like I'm, I'm outcompeting Forbes for, I think, a couple of articles, a couple of topics instead of keywords. And that's all I can do. They are beating me in everything else. Authority is not easily beaten. And I have developed good authority, not as good as Forbes, my nemesis right now, but better than one than our affiliates. And you can see that affiliates are actually moving out of this your game and going to performance as well. Why? Because SEO has become more difficult, because huge players like HubSpot, Zapier, Forbes, Amazon, they are going into the content game and they are going to the affiliate game. So the first three to five results in many valued, high value keywords are incredibly difficult to compete for. Okay. You mentioned video and I would like to hear your thoughts on video for SEO. Video for me is the protection for SG. I don't worry about SG. I worry about our brand awareness in relation to SG in general, but I'm, will not, I'm not worrying that SG will destroy SEO, will take more than 5-10% of searches, not even that much, or not sending me traffic because at the end they need to send it somewhere. Uh, the video is what will save you from, FG, from SG if you are worried about Google rolling it out next year. But it's also a new format that you need to catch up because many think that TikTok is becoming the search engine of the young generation. YouTube is the second biggest search engine. Maybe TikTok now is the third or the second. Uh, you need video to compete there. Video is also shown in search results. Um, the new features that Google is releasing, the perspectives, they show more prevalence on uh, video and then on communities. So. Answering the same questions from your text content in video format allows you to open up another organic channel. I will not say exactly it's SEO or it's search or it's uh, social or it's uh, organic. It's all of this or a new channel that we name later. But video is not the future because text will never die, but it's expanding and you need to invest more in video if you want to be relevant. Do you think though that video is something that SaaS companies or, you know, any, any kind of company for that matter can outsource or is it something that it's um, easier? Both ourselves and our competitors have failed in video because it's not consistent and long term. They can outsource if it's a longer partnership with a trusted partner. 
Um, you can outsource part of the video, but you need the face to be internal. You cannot outsource the face and the voice. Everything else can be outsourced. And there are even AI tools that if you don't, I, I know you're not a very huge fan of AI, but they can take this, uh, you can take tools like Synthesia and record your CEO or a couple of other people in the company and create them as uh, the heads of every video. And just outsource script writing, editing, uh, ideation, just parts that are heavy in uh, in production and you cannot hire people just for this. If you, if you need five specialties and you cannot hire, hire five people, you can hire one or two. You can outsource it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, uh, when you when you mentioned SG, you also mentioned branding uh, or brand implications that um, there may be there. Can you please elaborate on that? Um, so how does LLM work for me? This is hugely speculative. So an LLM crawls the web. So the chat, the either the SG or Bing or whatever, is the mixture or is the average of its experiences. Its experiences consist of reading the whole web, which means if I'm looking for the best marketing platform, it might be HubSpot because everyone knows HubSpot because everyone in every listicle, every review, everywhere mentions HubSpot at some point, so many times. Compare that with, uh, not exactly correct, let's say Zoho CRM, which is a smaller competitor, not exactly the same space. But Zoho is less known, is mostly known in Arabic countries, etc., etc., etc. It's probably a hundred times more than HubSpot. Imagine that SGE will probably show the top 10 results based on the most popular in words of mouth references on the web. How do you have word of mouth? You have a high brand uh, awareness. How you have high brand awareness? People are using your product and they're mentioning you. And as more trick about, again about affiliates, affiliates love to promote companies that they know about and they are high in brand awareness because brand awareness they know gets them higher conversions from a visitor to a click to a customer to their uh, to that software which means more money so if you have high brand awareness you have more people mentioning you whether it's affiliates bloggers anyone else and also people sourcing your articles that they have sourced for their articles this all creates more mentions for you in the web which makes it stronger in the knowledge base of the machine le machine learning algorithms who show up doesn't mean that this is the main criteria doesn't mean that the top 10 in brand awareness will be the top 10 in sg but probably most of the spots will be so working on brand awareness and having people mentioning you online will be a good way to get into sg results and that's an opinion we'll see the final implementation of sg how it is and we'll learn more in the next one but is this brand building? Is it digital PR? Is it, uh, you know, uh, the the old good link building? Or how would you uh, how would you label it? I consider myself an SEO and a growth marketer. And the more I'm learning about PR, which was my second internship, I hated it as a 
hacen disciplina de compañía o eso. Hay un bigger believer on public relations and branding activities. It's not one thing. It's uh, it's a lot of things combined. You cannot identify it as one thing. Um, for SGs, it will be people measuring around on their websites, on their social, on their blogs, whenever SG crawls and gets data. Which it's not digital PR, but digital PR will be a part of it. It's more brand awareness. I'm not sure if this, uh, these AIs are crawling social media, but let's say giving out swag to your customers and having them reposting and sharing you and tagging you all the time. This might be a way to, for an LLM to understand that you are uh, relevant and you have high brand awareness. For me, it would be more possible to have more reviews, more people mentioning you, thousands of results, thousands of pages. So, getting into the training. That's this. That, that makes sense. But of course, this comes back to concepts like topical authority and like, you know, and of course, uh, principles that um, will, will, will never stop exist like the fact that you have to provide people with a great customer service and and you know build great products and and, and embrace uh word of mouth and, and and so on but the problem with sg is the incentive right you mentioned that you don't think that the the impact will be as significant um the problem i see here First of all, I, I also think that the, the impact, uh, we, we will see. That's that's what I can say at this point. We don't know how big the impact will, will be, right? Um, but the problem is a general tendency towards keeping, you know, people on the the search engine and not sending traffic, you know, to, to, to websites, publishers, SaaS companies like LearnWorlds and, and, and so on. Do you see that as a general threat or like a, a chain that marketers have to do something about? It's a minor because that means that they have to stop chipping out of the funnel easy to copy content. But they have to sell them somewhere. Like SGE will not solve your problem if you are trying to create a course for us. So. Even if they are, if they they respond to questions how to create a course, and the, the SG gives them one, two, three, five steps, the last step will be you have to create your material and you have to upload it somewhere, and then you have to sell it. This is our solution. They cannot give them the solution. If the AI was so advanced to go to that level, I will not worry about my job. I would be worrying about my universal basic income and my cocktail on the beach. Yeah. Which, you know, who knows, we may get there uh, one day. Google may see trends and may build tools and have AI agents build tools automatically or not automatically, but, you know, build tools based on search trends uh, just so people can, in fact, like upload their course somewhere and, you know, I classroom, which is not exactly compatible. By the way, to your point, I saw we, we prepare, uh, and maybe I shouldn't give it away, but it's going out, I guess, earlier than this episode uh, will, will be live. Uh, we, may, we 
you know, work on a new note uh, for growth waves. And the note is about uh, Arc, which is, you know, a product, uh, a browser product by the browser company. Okay. And one of the use cases we saw there from a person, a user of Arc, um, who shared that on Twitter was that he actually built a course right on, on his uh, browser. Okay. Now imagine that, right? And he shared that course with either uh, his team or like some people who wanted to take the course. I, I can't recall, but. Imagine if Google is able to like identify these trends because you know this is where people search, um, and then build solutions like in a very simplistic form, calculator, you know, or weather widget. I have done a calculator on ChatGPT, and I'm not a developer, and it's terrible and it's buggy. Um, so I have seen a lot of companies like Semra. Semra has on this academy. It has uh, their own software as their own course. Uh, on, they created a co their course, their academy on a custom HTML. Uh, the same as Ahrefs. Their courses are on a custom. They don't use us or our competitors. There are many people. So this is not something that scares me. Because it exists, because someone can do it, doesn't mean enough people are knowledgeable. Most people want safety. And that's what software gives you. Uh, software subscriptions, as gives you safety, non-buggy support. Uh, they built around an ecosystem. It's a lot of things that I cannot offer. That's, that's why I'm not personally. Uh, I don't know about our founders if they are. Yeah, yeah, and, and you shouldn't. Um, except, except, with, uh, except for uh, content with SEO uh, in mind, uh, what other formats, you, you mentioned video, but what other formats um, you see being more um, prominent I'm interested to give you a correction from before. Yeah, of course. So I'm, I mentioned about the uh, branding and growth marketing. I, I think I'll copy them. So my two specialties, I will give you this perspective. The more I do SEO, the more I become a believer in brand awareness and branding. If I was going back in my steps as an SEO, I will focus more on building brand awareness than other kind of content. And as a growth marketer, I don't believe that growth marketing is its, its, its own discipline. Growth marketing is doing marketing well, which means everything. It, it's not something that every marketer should do. It's just faster, more iterations, and more measure. That, that's the difference. It's good marketing with more attribution, and you are willing to do more experiments and pivot faster. That's all. Uh, so I'm going there because the basis of marketing is are still here. And most of the things you see around are just good marketers rebranding different tactics in a different way. Uh, it, it, it was there from the beginning, most of them. Very few things in the world are new, are new, were born from zero. Most of the things are based on something before. And because I wrote an, a piece about AI, on my research to write it, uh, for a while, it was the first about AI in education. AI started in the 50s, before actually. Uh, I don't remember if it was 1949 or 90, 1950-51, that was the first paper published. So AI is not even new. It's just more usable. Yeah. Just that for a parenthesis, and then you're asking for a Yeah. Types. 
Yeah. So my question was regarding other content formats besides, uh, you know, text-based content or text-based content, but, you know, other formats besides, you know, that go beyond the blog and also beyond video that we already covered a bit. One thing that I'm working right now and we're exploring here at Learworks is tools. Uh, there is a lot of this low quality for me, tools based on AI. I'm not talking about this. You mentioned already calculators and there are template generators. Uh, maybe it's a certificate generator. Maybe it's a PDF generator. Things that even AI can do. I did a PDF recently with AI. It was terrible. Uh, from spreadsheets to quizzes to things that people can use, these tools are incredible for SEO. They are also saturated, so you need to find the right ones that will work based on your brand, based on your targets, and work for your customers. The tools is an incredible format to work. It's challenging, but it's not as, as challenging as people think. For something, for something like uh, you mentioned cert certificates, let's say you wanted to build a, a free certificate generator, okay? Mm -hmm. And you also had some templates that are, let's say, more premium and only people with a paid account can like use and enjoy, okay? Would you do that or let me rephrase, to do it, would you use like Ahrefs or SEMrush, do keyword research, see that people are actually looking for it, or you would just go on and build it because you know from your customers and like general audience that this is something that they would actually use and they, you know, ask for. But I love Ahrefs or SEMrush. Sorry, I love Ahrefs for keyword research. And I will go there and I will do it. And there are other things like uh, the keyboard cheater that to brainstorm about the tools. Uh, but the thing is, you, you also need to listen to your customer. Uh, we have conversations about zero keyword, uh, zero volume keywords. You have to take these bets sometimes, sometimes not. Uh, there is only experience can tell you when you have to take these bets or not. Um, so yes, uh, the first tools I would be using is based on keyword research. The second layer, if this the first works, is that also what my customers want. And the most powerful tool we forget all the time, I have the power of Google search engine. Unfortunately, 16 months only, the search console. The, if I go to the console, I can see what keywords accidentally on tools I run. I will search there, I will find and see the data there, what is ranking, why it's ranking, and is it close to what I want? And I have historical data. If you're not a new startup right now, and you're in a company that was uh, is here for five, 10 years, you have data. Use your data to take decisions. Don't use data that is speculated, because as much as I love the tools we mentioned, they are speculated data. I have real data. Even Google Search Console is speculating up to a point. It hides a lot of information. I'm not, I cannot take the 100% to account. Yeah, and they're sampling uh, data like Google Analytics. Uh, Google Search Console has its own limitations. Speaking of which, I would like to ask, how do you uh, measure uh, content performance? Um, and 
how do you separate the signal from the noise when it comes to um, which metrics to, to take into account and which metrics are just vanity and you shouldn't pay attention to them? Uh, while I measure traffic, for me, it's a vanity metric. It's an orally big indicator, depending how you can consider it. It's good to have an, an idea because traffic can give you quickly the results, but I don't focus. My main metrics are uh, trials or other comments call them signups. So it's middle of the funnel and revenue directly. So my North Star is the revenue and then everything else is secondary. And then I try to avoid either impressions on the search console or even clicks as a real metric. And worst of all, DR or DA, like uh, that's not even a metric for me. I'm just, I don't know if that. Okay, but is, isn't that a bit restrictive uh, in the sense of, I mean, uh, when it comes to, okay, even SEO, I mean, not everything is going to be um, it's going to be a, a revenue generator, right? But how can you how can you sell in a project internally? My results of the channel uh, in ring based. I care about traffic and people visiting and people reading the blogs when I'm creating topical authority and relevant content. The total channel has to continually continuously grow on revenue. So it's not about counting one article brought this revenue. It's about the cold channel as a whole. Because if I don't count the cold channel, then I forget to nurture the whole channel. I just nurture one article. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, I would like to shift gears a bit. And as we are uh, nearing the end of this episode, ask you about, um, even though we, we kind of touched on, on it, but from the search uh, experience standpoint, I would like to ask your thoughts on generative AI and whether you have found any like practical uh, applications of it uh, for your role um, and in good use cases that you can share with us. I started using Mono in the beginning and we have been using, for example, Jasper for last year, early last year, and we're using it less now. And, but I'm not happy with the results for creating content. I have used it and I have done experiments and I don't think that AI can speed up the, uh, the, the content creation, even if, if it means that I generate two paragraphs because I'm stuck and then I rewrite them completely. Like rewriting existing content is easier for a writer than writing content from zero on a blank page. So AI is here to speed up, make us more productive. Uh, but the results are not creative, they are not new, they are not something I will use blindly. And I will not go exactly on the, okay, let, let me go first on how I use it and then how I think people should not use it. I use it to create scripts. I used it recently to fix some schema issues and because I'm working on getting our knowledge panel. And I'm while I study schema and I try to understand it, but I, it's difficult for me to write the code, so I use AI to write the first part, and then I fix it. Um, so I'm using to write scripts of codes, JSON code. I, I, I write uh, spreadsheets, JSON, to help me speed up some processes on uh, Google Spreadsheet that I use to make my analysis. 
I use it sometimes for outliers or creating content and stop my writer's block because I'm also not a, so technically I'm more of a content SEO. I analyze content and I write content as well. So it speeds up the process. And now our writing team actually uses for that and brainstorming, outlining, and briefing. All these are actual good uses as long as you edit them on top. I will not use it just to blindly write content. I even try and saw how programmatic content works. I tested it. So I know what I can, I need to do to create a programmatic database, but I decided not to do it. Then the problem with AI is that it gives a wrong impression. AI, if you see right now, we're talking about recession, uh, this, uh, this video will go much later. Like, uh, uh, today I was pushing a newsletter on my LinkedIn about the uh, recession market and Every company right now is cutting budgets and they are expecting that AI can save them for hiring, outsourcing, or firing some people to save costs. It's not the reality. This is delusional thinking from CEOs that are too far from the actual truth. The reason is that first of all, your employees have to be expert from writers. They have to know how to use AI. You cannot imagine how many people, both in SEO, in marketing, not in marketing, are terrible with technology. They do not know how to use prompting. I am barely average on prompting, and I, maybe I'm not even average. And I have been using it for almost a year now. Uh, prompting is difficult to get good results and understand the results and shift the results and have the experience to use them. It's not as easy. A lot of people are producing bad content or bad results on AI. So saying that you get a team of five writers, let's say, and replace them with two writers and AI, for me, is almost delusional. It's a good idea if you are a CFO and seeing the numbers on a spreadsheet. In reality, producing the same quality of content as five writers with research, with doing interviews, with doing whatever you need to produce a content with AI is crazy because no one tells you that these two writers will be experts on prompting, delivering, and the content. Uh, so I'm not so bullish that AI will take over everything. I do think AI will change our lives. It will make us more productive. But you and me will not lose our jobs because the same way we're becoming more productive and we're doing mistakes as well, the same way our competitors are becoming more productive and they're doing the same mistakes. People who utilize it much better will get ahead. But for me, most companies are average. Most people are average. And most people will not overutilize it. They will barely use it on their everyday life. They will barely use it for their work. They will use it occasionally to improve some productivity. But it's not about to do miracles. But we're in a very, very early bad phase of AI. It's just becoming usable. We'll see huge changes over the next two, three years. They will be fast, but they still need some time to evolve to the point where it will really change. And maybe what I'm saying right now in one year is going to be irrelevant or in two years because AI will evolve so much, it will produce much better content that I can do with reset in five days. Nick, last question I have for you. Um, I would like to ask you to paint a picture um, about the future of SaaS marketing or SEO growth marketing, whatever you want to, you know, this, this picture to, to include. More is going, uh, this is 
what I'm seeing right now, more is going to measurable attributed actions, but it's not uh, exactly the right way. We need as SEOs, as marketers to measure our results, but we need to understand the limitations and understand that sometimes gut feelings can bring you better results and the best marketers are the best gut feelings from the beginning. And we, we need to change our tactics. Whatever was working one and two years is will not be working. The basics, as we discussed here, of marketing are still in effect. If you are doing brand activities, creating good content, having a connection with your client, talking the language of your client, uh, be giving a face to the faceless corporation, those are the most effective tactics. They are not new. They are very old. We just see them in a different format, in a different way, whether it is this talk or the new social media or what Elon Musk is going to do with X eventually. This we do not know, but focus on being with marketing on the basics. Nothing else matters. Then you have to discover what's best on the channel. But for the next couple of years, if, if we're going to change a more difficult climate, we have to get some skills like being able to measure, being able to attribute results. And I will argue about progressing your life by improving your soft skills. Soft skills in a corporate environment, especially, and not just in corporate environment, collaborating with others, being able to pitch your idea, listen to other people, collaborate, and being a friendly face around and being an easy person to work with others are more important than even your best hardcore skills. Those people will succeed. We have to be these people. I think that's a great way to close this episode. Um, Nick, um, last question and call to action, actually, uh, not question uh, as much as call to action. Where can people find out more about you uh, and get in touch? I'm building a personal brand on LinkedIn. I have a personal website, the Marketing Express Hub, that I'm writing some content. Right now it's on pause, but we'll, I will continue from January again. So reaching me out on LinkedIn, send me a PM, send me a connection request. Uh, I will be there. I'm quite active. Nick, thank you. Uh, it was very insightful and I don't know, a great way to, to, to close, uh, the podcast. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, believe me, I will be sad for, uh, missing your podcast. I have been a regular listener or irregular listener of it we may start something uh new next year we'll see um yeah thank you for for growth waves is uh, my go to it's a supplement it's a supplement for yeah. this thank you nick another episode of the SaaS seo show has wrapped we hope this episode has taught you something new too we'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.